Thank you again for listening to the Culture Captures Spotlight podcast. I'm Joe, and today I'm being joined with Tara Karstner. You can say hi. Oh, hey, what up? Sorry. No, I'm like, what is my cue? Am I no, good to go? <laughs> no, you're good. Um, so for those who don't like already know, um, just kind of say what you do, um, what you've been a part of, and just kind of give like a brief overview about like yourself. Yeah, so I am a brand strategist and um, currently VP of Influence at Weber Shandwick, but also own my own boutique creative agency, Home Team, where I do a bunch of brand strategy work, partnerships, um, and experiential execution in the space of music, streetwear, fashion, and culture. So you just recently got to Weber Sandrick, right? Yeah, today was actually my first day. So, okay. Um, what what are you going to be kind of doing there? And like, what does your work kind of entail at uh, Weber? Yeah, so in my role, I'm going to be developing strategy for influencer integration for some major accounts. The main one being Nestle, working on stuff like Perrier and San Pellegrino. Um, and then also just working across a lot of their brands as the cultural go-to person if you will um so trying to bring uh back influencer work to being very authentic and real versus um kind of played out and uh stuffy if you will trying to make it cool and dope and resonate with all of us so how did you how did you get in contact with weber and like what how did the dominoes fall to like get to the position you're at there now today? Yeah. So I have a friend who's worked there, um, for about three and a half, four years now, I think. Um, and he introduced me to his manager who is the head of influence. And, uh, we just vibed really well. She, um, loved my sneaker collection and everything and started following me on Instagram and we just stayed tight. I was trying to get Weber to do a lot of stuff with Lyrical Lemonade, being that I run all of their brand partnerships. And so we were able to stay connected um, through that, me constantly trying to pitch her and get brands to give us money. And um, timing just worked out perfectly. I was recently at Broadband TV doing partnership work and it just wasn't the right fit for me. And she actually hit me up looking to hire somebody else, asking if I knew anybody in the space. And I said, actually me. And um, everything happened really quickly, but super excited um, to make that transition over. That's really cool. And um, Home Team Creative Agency, that's like the company you founded and you run as well as doing all this other stuff, right? Yeah, actually, um, yesterday was our five-year anniversary. Um, I started it after leaving Jordan Brand. I thought Jordan Brand was my, like, end-all, like, dreams-come-true job, and I wasn't truly happy. Um, And I wanted to develop a a job that, like, fulfilled me and, and, and really made me happy, and in that like soul searching time after Jordan brand, I discovered that it was being a dot connector and providing opportunity and resources to up and coming creatives. So I developed that agency to serve that exact purpose, tried to give 
people that don't have 3,000 or 30,000 followers opportunities to work with these brands like Complex and Adidas and um, Foot Locker, um, you know, you can have 2,000 followers and be 10 times more dope than somebody who has 30,000 followers. So just trying to be that person that has their pulse and eyes on what's happening and who's really creating dope shit and making sure that the clients uh, see that and um, give them a shot. Yeah, and that's super cool. And, like, you got into Jordan. How did you get into Jordan, like, right away? I mean, I know you said um, to me, like, a little bit ago that you started working as, like, retail and stuff at, like, finish lines and foot lockers. Like, how did you – what made you really at first love, like, the sneaker, in, like, industry and, like, really want to do, like, shoes and, like, pursue that as, like, your full-time job? Yeah, so I'm born and raised Iowa, which makes it – everyone's probably like, how did she work at Jordan Brand if she's from Iowa and into shoes? Like, there's more than corn there. Um, <laughs> I grew up uh, playing basketball and being a four-sport athlete, and um, I have an older sister who got me into sneakers, and so it, it just became a thing. I um, – I'm very, I have a very addictive personality. So when I like something, I like research the crap out of it and like go super, super hard. And uh, so when I first got into shoes, I was like, oh, I need more pairs. I need more pairs. And then my mom wouldn't buy me more pairs of shoes. So I started working at Finish Line and um, really started to understand release dates and things like that. So this is like Nike talk days, but not StockX and all of these like, sneaker news blogs didn't exist like we were on these forums like trying to find release calendars through other people who worked at finish line and footlockers and stuff like that um so i uh, like was making excel spreadsheets with release dates before these like calendars and stuff existed um and in doing so like just really fell in love with the culture and um decided that I wanted to own my own shoe store so I ended up going to college for business and PR so I could run my own shoe store literally every project I did in college was around this made-up boutique and um my senior year I went to Chicago for an entrepreneurship program and, and interned at Success in Chicago. It was a tier zero account at the time. Um, and I went on to actually uh, manage it after that internship. Um, it was funny, I called him, one of my homies bought all of his uh, limited edition shoes from there and connected me and I called him, I'm like, hi, I'm Curtis's friend from Iowa. Like, I wanna intern for you and he like, was like yeah sure whenever you move to Chicago you can come in and we can talk so I like drove up there two days later because I was like this guy doesn't take me seriously um so I drove all the way to Chicago like four and a half hours and was like hi I'm Tara I'm really about this and like here's who I am um and so yeah interned there and then started managing after I graduated college and realized after crunching all the numbers, like shit really isn't that sweet. Like it is really hard to make money as a, a boutique. So I, um, and it's funny, my boss was like, you're not gonna wanna own your own shoe store just so you know. And I took that as like, he doesn't think that I can do it. Um, so I'd like a chip on my shoulder, but 
Um, he was right. It wasn't for me. Um, I like to have a business with not as much overhead and all your money's kind of wrapped up in, um, product. And so I started to look into working at Nike and, um, doing more of the marketing side of the business at the time at the store, I was doing buying and things like that, where I really understood the life cycle and what, what the inner workings of Nike. Um, I've done a couple events with them and, um, actually like stopped working at the store at success for a little bit, went back to Iowa cause it just wasn't the right fit for a while. And, um, I started baking back in Iowa cause there's nothing else to do. And I was baking in one of the reps at Jordan brand. We was at Nike basketball at the time. Um, was like, yo, send me some cookies. So I sent him cookies and I joke till this day, like I got a job at Jordan brand off of my chocolate chip cookies. And it's because like, I sent them to him and I was like, Hey, glad you like the cookies. Can I learn more about what you do and like learn more about the business? You know, I have like a base, but like, tell me more. And when he ended up getting headcount, he moved over to Jordan brand. He ended up getting, um, headcount meaning like a role available on his team to report into him and he hit me and asked me if I wanted to apply for the job and so I went for it and yeah got the job we were we worked on like all of the basketball stuff in Chicago World Basketball Festival um it's really cool experience but all based off of my chocolate chip cookies you'll have to try them someday yeah that's really crazy so you were really baking and back home kind of thinking like not knowing what was next and what to expect and then all of a sudden you ended up at Jordan yeah like you said this was a I, I didn't have to censor myself or anything on this podcast so I'm gonna tell you all the real stories the first time I ever told this real story I was back in Iowa and like not working and I was like hustling trying to make money and so I was making like edibles and selling edibles. And so some of them weren't you, some not, uh, but just trying to figure out how to make ends meet to get back on my feet and find that right career path. So wild times. Yeah, that is wild to use edibles. I mean, I'll try both versions. If you can still make edibles for me, that'd be dope. Um, like you can make, if you can make the Jumpman logo too, would be really uh, full circle. Um, so, so when we so when you got there, what did your kind of role and take of, and like, what were kind of some like day-to-day stuff you were like responsible for? Uh, when I got to Jordan brand in Chicago specifically, I was a marketing specialist tasked with like all of, we had sponsored six high school basketball programs. So I was kind of the go-to liaison between the coaches, making sure that they got everything they need from uh jerseys and footwear to support for major games um i was only in that role for like six months um i was also supposed to be in retail educating people on sneakers and everything like that um and then also did our summer pro-am league 
with uh, Nike basketball, doing some activations, trial, um, but really that like on the ground brand person that you see getting their hands dirty, executing events and talking to everyday consumers. And like, what are some of the like actions you got to do to like do those roles? You know what I mean? Like, what is it like throwing events and stuff like that? And like talking to consumers about like the product and stuff like that, you know, like what are some of the harsh realities that come with that because i feel like some people just think of like oh okay you're at like jordan like your job must be super easy when in reality it's like you got to do some really tough shit and you got to really stick your neck out for some things i'd imagine yeah it's it's wild like in the event space anything and everything will go wrong um after that role in chicago i was in portland so i got promoted to work on the north america brand team and I did things like my very first um, job or event in that role was NBA All Star 2015 in New York, and I led the uh, front on our 166 Flatbush pop up experience, which was the very first sportswear led um, brand experience, um, and. It was nuts. It was many sleepless nights and trying to organize um, executions on, like, how do you bring all this together? Who all do we need to have on site? Um, I literally argued for weeks over spending $15,000 to put in a bathroom in the space. Like, the most weird, bizarre things that you would think that, like, are are below, quote-unquote, below somebody in a role at Jordan, like, we did. Um, Jordan brand was a really unique experience because we wore so many hats um, to get everything done because it is a very small yet mighty team. So anything and everything you can think of from working with the merchants to seeing how many units of the product we should get um, at that experience, we did a laser execution on the AJ1. And of course, like you wanted to use the AJ1 and not the AJ1 mid, but we like were doing laser etching testing and it burned wrong on that leather, unfortunately. So then we had to use mids and like trying to figure out things like that with the agency that was helped executing and then going back internally and working with our merchants teams to make sure that we can find that product to put in the store and then beyond that the fun and cool exciting things one of my major tasks at the brand was how do we tell our history and heritage story at retail so i somehow talked uh the president into letting me take out all of MJ's game worn shoes in the Nike lobby in Beaverton and put them in our store pop-up store in um in New York and the crazy thing about that was we had to like basically fly them on a plane with this like secured like escort who like then also like had tracking and everything was very like locked up on them um so from like high security stuff like that to just be able to put that in store in front of people and then be able to talk to them about it um that shit was crazy yeah and is it like do you are you able to kind of like enjoy the product if you will as well like the when you have an event and like things are going smoothly and it's like 
you know, is there ever a point in each event that you throw where you're like, wow, okay, I was able to pull this off and like appreciate, um, especially maybe in the sneaker space where it's like, you know, you're a huge sneaker fan and you're in front of like cases of, in cases of uh, game worn Jordans. Like, do you get to appreciate stuff like that or is it really just kind of like work? Oh, it's a mix of both. Um, the long night, like I was in for that event specifically, I was in New York for like 28 days and I joke, but dead ass serious. I probably slept like 45 hours that 28 days. Um, so like you're up and working your ass off that, like it gets very stressful. Um, but in the end, you look back and you're like, yeah, we pulled it off. But most times that, like, joy and reward comes, like, the last two hours of the event. Um, but it's all worth it. Um, fast forward a year, and MJ was in front of – Michael Jordan was in front of this uh, wall that I created for the pop-up in 306 Young Street. I, like, curated the best of um, – one through I think we had 30 shoes out at the time like collaborations and worked with a local collector to pull all those shoes together and it was crazy because the brand's like I don't care Tara you know like you pick your favorite collab or uh colorway of every shoe and like that'll be it and for MJ to like walk up to that wall and be like damn this is crazy holy shit and like a picture in front of it those are the moments that like send you through the roof and make all the like tired long nights well worth it. And like, I don't like, especially with Jordan, like how is it trying to take your creative ideas and like visions to some people who have just some insane power, you know, like with Jordan Brad it's kind of a little different. Um, I certainly don't know from experience, but you do. Um, how, like, how was that? Especially when you first started and like getting comfortable, you know, and adjusted to it. That's the wild thing is you would think like a brand like Jordan or any of these major corporate corporate places, like you can pull off some crazy stuff, but the crazy ideas are the ones that never see the light of day because of corporate America. So like I've been able to do some like way more crazy stuff um, working with brands like Lyrical Lemonade than a brand like Jordan Brand, although they have lots of money and things like that. Like, there's a lot of red tape or or you can't do that just because it's what the brand said or whatever. Like, that's so wild to me. So they keep it, like, really hard and almost put a lid on creativity, did you feel like? Uh, a little bit, and I think, like, but not for no reason right like yeah you know i get it and there's there's embargo dates and why we release things a certain way but like um being your and i think that's what pushed me to like i need to be my own boss and be in a leadership role where no one can tell me no and if a client doesn't want to do it like i don't need to work with that client right um so being your own boss is the only time that you're ever really going to have full creative freedom or, you know, when you're working on your own creative projects, if you're an artist or whatever. So how many all-star games in total did you do? Like four, five? Uh, No, actually I only did two of them. 
Um, and then I actually got fired from Jordan Brand. Uh, and yeah, I like, you know, all that gray area that everybody like, or not gray area, but um, people, you hear about people getting fired all, all day, every day about product. Like they took product X, Y, and Z. I didn't take anything crazy or anything. I wasn't doing anything out of, out of the super out of pocket, but like in a role like that, you have access to stuff. And unfortunately you're not entitled to all of it. Right. So I unfortunately got let go. So I was only there for two years. Um, but like I said, like, I just wasn't my happiest in that role. Lots of like no and red tape. That made me, when I was forced out, like kind of a blessing in disguise, right? Like you're at Jordan brand, you're going to, no, you know, I'm just tripping. Like this is where I belong. And it was like, I was forced to really evaluate, like that wasn't where I needed to be. And that wasn't where I can be the best version of myself. And so how did you find like the happiness there? And like, how did you, how were you able to kind of pick yourself back up in like the workspace and like creative space? Yeah, I mean, I, I went without a job for like five months. I was about to take a role at Adidas, Germany. They offered it and everything, like, was literally waiting on a plane ticket to go over to Germany and sign my paperwork. Wow. And they that morning they were like, yeah, we're not actually going to move forward with the role. So I, like, had no money left in my account and had to pack everything up and move to Chicago and in that time of the five months like trying to find something I was just doing a lot of soul searching like what really makes me happy and like I said earlier it was being able to connect my friends to other people and like I had a crazy network like let me use it and find a way to instead of just putting people on like let me put people on but make a living doing it um and let me be clear, like, I don't do what I do for a check. Like, it's just like, let let me make sure that my time is being valued, right? Like, I will do stuff 10 times over for just to hook people up or help them out. It's not about, like, the money, but at the end of the day, like, you have to eat and, you know, you have to make ends meet yourself to be able to keep moving forward and being a good good partner to be able to keep giving those opportunities to people so you've said it a couple times now like you describe yourself as a dot collector and like i think a lot of people in the industry know what a dot collector is but for those who don't like how would you kind of describe it and like what what they really do yeah so a dot a dot connector like um just just being the middle the middleman of of connecting a creative to an opportunity so identifying people and or from a it works both ways right so brands will come to me who should we work work with and then i can connect the dot from the brand to the creative or i've worked with creatives and I, a lot of my first cre uh, clients that i had when i started my business were these small independent brands and just trying to connect them to the opportunities at the brand um so just bringing like-minded people together um to make magic is how i like to describe it 
Yeah, and that's super cool. And like, how crucial is it for like a lot of different businesses, corporate or not, just kind of in the entertainment space to have people like that can connect dots for like the big plays and stuff like that? Absolutely. Yeah, it's I like to say that I'm like, I am somebody who obsesses obsesses over authentic uh, partnerships. And so it's like many people can know people and connect people. But the magic truly is in um, seeing how those two marry together perfectly because I know we've all seen horrible collaborations between people that just don't make sense. Like Pine Sol had a sneaker, like that made zero sense, right? <laughs> um, so making sure that um, it really resonates and people can get excited about it is is the plus up of being a dot connector. So you can be a dot connector and just hope that they figure things out or you can be a dot connector who's like, here's how you two make magic happen. So how did you get in touch with um, Lyrical Lemonade and how did you get in tune to start working for them? Yeah, so I was the agency of record for Champ Sports, which agency of record for people who don't know, um, all of these brands usually work with um, creative agencies to bring to life all of their stuff. And being an agency of record just means that you're on retainer or constantly working with a brand month in month out and i was developing all of the strategy for how champ sports shows up at retail and activates with the community and i wanted to do an activation with um lyrical lemonade at champ sports it's funny like talk about using your um using your favors for the right in the right ways um i had a friend mike p shout out mike p he's a dj uh that's my boy he uh was djing a chance event for me and he was like late and he was like let me make it up to you like don't pay me the full thing and i was like no i want you to get your money but like can you connect me to lyrical lemonade he's like i can't i can't make a promise that like they'll get back to you but i can make that intro and the rest is on you um and so i got connected to jake and jb over there and uh i told them i was like look i want to work with you guys i don't have crazy budget but i fuck with fuck with you guys and fuck with what you're doing here's the whole budget that i have let's figure out what makes sense for you guys and and by my approach in that sense is very unconventional because for those who don't know, usually how that works is an agency would reach out to Lyrical Lemonade and be like, here's the entire plan that we have, and we have $10,000 for you, and we're going to spend the rest of the money how we feel. Instead, my approach has, has always been very transparent, and I was like, look, I'm not going to tell you what's cool. You tell me what's cool, and here's all my money, and we'll figure out how to bring this to life. And so that was that I feel like is what really got them to take me seriously and like want to work with me because I wasn't this like corporate person trying to take advantage of them. Instead, I was like, let me give you resources to do something that excites you. And what year did you like, if you, if you don't know the exact like day time, it's fine. But like what general ballpark year did you start with lyrical? 
Um, I believe 20, it would have been 2018, I want to say. Uh, yeah, we had like had that meeting in like March 2018, maybe. And um, then I had this activation and Chancellor Affer's old manager um, or one of his managers, Colleen, still works with them, I think was doing this talk at this event that I threw at Champs and was like, if you want something, you got to ask for it or else you'll never get it. So I had had those conversations with them. That event didn't happen. And I was like, look, I know I can do partnerships for them. They have this music festival. Like, I need to open up my mouth and, like, try to go get it. And so I asked for them to have a meeting and called Jake and JB showed up and I put together a presentation and asked, I was like, look, here's my background. Here's what I want to do for you guys. Um, and so we started working together in the fall of 2018. Um, and the rest has been just a wild ride since then. And, um, I mean, so I guess your role entails, um, the festivals like summer smash it entails like all the brands that they work with so um they ended up doing a collab with jordan um and you you were the lead uh you were one of the lead people on that project right yeah so i should have said this but when i had that meeting they were like jb was like yeah you know my goal is to partner with jordan brand like that would be like the craziest thing and and Cole was like yeah like what's more iconic than Lyrical Lemonade and like the coolest brand to come out of Chicago Jordan brand um and so I was like all right bet I got you and um so I took on the role of owning all of their brand partnership stuff um they're not exclusive to me by any means but um over the years you know we've just kind of developed uh, that trust and I bring a lot of things to them that really speak to them. So a lot of their, like I would say 95% of their partnerships all go through me. Um, and then also, you know, their partnerships 365, um, are a little different than the festival partnerships. The festival partnerships are more true event sponsorship stuff. Um, that don't really tie to the Lyrical Lemonade brand itself, but rather the Summer Smash Music Festival. Um, and so, yeah, I do both of those. I do all of the lifestyle sponsorships for the festival, and then um, their 365 partnerships, such as the Jordan brand uh, partnership. And sorry, I rambled a little bit, but no, I think... I think like that partnership, it's it's way it's crazy to think about because they wanted to do something with them so bad. We almost took two different opportunities with them that just didn't seem right. Like we almost did an Air Max Day thing with Jordan Brand, and like Air Max Day is not even Jordan Brand's thing, right? Yeah. And then we were gonna do All Star um, when it was it wasn't Chicago, wherever it was before Chicago, I think Charlotte, we were going to do a like city activation for Chicago. And like, it just didn't seem right or seem like the right moment. And so this was like a two year process to bring to life. Um, and I just kept pushing, like when I went to Jordan brand, they didn't know who Lyrical Lemonade was. And like all the listeners on here are probably like, how, like that's wild. But that just goes to show you, like, some of these corporations are so disconnected from the core consumer and what's really going on in culture. Um, So I'd, like, kept pitching, kept pitching, and 
ended up being the right moment where they're like, look, Tara, this is it. All-Stars coming to Chicago, and we actually, like, can give you guys a shoe. What do you think? And, like, me and the guys went crazy over it. It was it was perfect. But a two-year process, and but to see it come to life at All-Star in Chicago, like, I'm getting chills just thinking about it now. Yeah, and just, like, can you kind of talk about the celebration a little bit and just in terms of how satisfying it was for you and like your team to pull that off after like two years of finally getting like of working towards that goal of getting a shoot. Um, and then after talking about the celebration talk about like that model and like why that model specifically was picked. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, the celebration was cool. We ended up launching the shoe it sold that sold out in 30 um seconds on the sneakers app and um we ended up culminating with a workshop with our com- a community partner and then throwing a music show after the high school um city championships we had little tecca jid and playboy cardi perform so like that was wild to celebrate with the guys um but the process everyone's like well why didn't you guys do a retro like it doesn't work that way the brand came to us and we're like here's the model you get and so we were given the 720 which was a brand new model had never been out before which if you guys know like even if travis scott does like a non-retro like it doesn't really sell like that so we were kind of nervous but um the whole brief was here's the shoe and you have to touch on all of the train stations. Um, so the pink line, the green line, the blue line, you name them. Um, you had to tell that like unified story through this uh, shoe. Um, so I didn't design it specifically. JB uh, did that. Um, and by design, I mean the shoe was designed, but we picked the colors. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, where his inspiration came from was actually one of my favorite shoes was the ice blue uh, retro eight. And our color was, we had to make sure pink came to life in all of our product. So you saw a lot of pink on the upper. Um, and then with our apparel that came with it, you saw a lot of pink come to life. Um, and the reason why we got the pink line was because it goes through Pilsen, which is close to where the guy's offices are. So, um, yeah, we don't get a pick. Like, if we got to pick it, we would have picked, like, a Retro 1 or a Retro 3. Like, that would be legendary. But I think it's also, like, even cooler to be able to look back and say, we took a 720 that is not cool by any means to the sneaker world, if you will, and we sold that out in 30 seconds. Like, name someone else who can do that. Like, there's very few that yeah, can. Yeah, no, that's what I think is, especially with hindsight, like, the fact that it really wasn't a retro model, um, and it did sell so quickly. Because I remember seeing the pictures, and, like, I wasn't in the music industry at the time. I was just, you know, a casual consumer of stuff online, you know? And I, I saw the shoes and liked them um, and liked that it was, like, the colorway and stuff like that but i didn't know anything about the model um but i still saw so many different people buy it in the merch i see so many people still wear the merch too um and it's just crazy to hear like how how long of a process that was and how long it took and like the vision was just was kept by like all the people internally yeah and that's just a salute to cole and the team and what they built at lyrical lemonade like 
their fall their fan base is so obsessed with them and like it's all because Cole hasn't sold out to corporate America like he's made true to like who he is who lyrical is and like that nostalgia like aesthetic of their creative brand really resonates with that next generation consumer and like hats off to him for never like straying from that and staying true to his identity because I feel like that's why the world messes with him so hard is like he will never sell out like he doesn't do it for the money um he does it for the love and the passion uh, and like just really is in tune with what his people want and then like he just has a great creative vision overall and like in hindsight too um with jordan i just feel like they probably regret not doing a retro model because i feel like lyrical is just so on top right now you know it's like cole's working with some of the biggest names (laughs) so it's like his value is only going to grow, which means the shoe and the legacy of Lyrical Lemonade will grow as well, you know, off the off some of that work. And it's just uh, not to diminish everybody else, but it's just like I would imagine like corporate giants who are like, you know, would wish that it was maybe on like a Jordan. Hopefully there's another opportunity for you guys to do another collaboration. That would be super cool. Yeah, that's what that's how I look at it is it's, you know, we knocked that one out of the park. So like what's next? Um, it just opens the opportunity for that next uh, shoe collaboration to be even better and um, uh, uh, it allows us to to not demand because I feel like that has a negative connotation but like you know like they have to come with a better model or um, a better opportunity to surpass what we did with Jordan Brand originally yeah no like they should give you a one is what i'm saying like they should put you guys on like a big model because it's like i think it would sell out in seconds like fuck 30 seconds how's 10 or 5 you know it's just like i think the name of lyrical lemonade and compared to 2019 to now like it's it's just more stronger so it's like it could be crazy it would really be crazy if like to play that what if game and you know maybe one day that will work um yeah who knows what the future holds but um, Pop-Tarts and Lyrical, how did that happen? <laughs> and Yeah, wild. So Weber Shandwick is actually the agency of record for Kellogg. And as we talked about earlier, that's where now I am at. And um, and I told, told you, like, I had been trying to sell Lyrical Lemonade to that agency for years. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just about waiting and finding the right opportunity. Um And they finally came to me and my friend was like, you know what? I think I finally have it. Like, what about Pop-Tarts? And um, they're like, we're working on something. Um, We think maybe we can sell it into the client. Like, this might be the one. And Kellogg's has never done a collaboration like this at all. Um, And, you know, Kellogg's is a a large brand. Pop-Tarts is just one of the many brands that they have. So to be the first uh, collaborator with them is just, it's, it's legendary, but it's wild. I remember having that call with my friend, like, off, you know, like, we're working on this, like, off the record. Like, it's not promised, but we're going to pitch you if you're cool with it. I was like, cool. So I text Cole, and I was like, yo, do you like Pop-Tarts? Mind you, I've never ate a Pop-Tart in my whole life. Mm-hmm. So I was like, do you like Pop-Tarts? And he was like, yeah, why? I was like, bet. Like, 
uh, I had a call today. We're going to, we're going to make a pop tart. And he's like, really? What? I was like, just, it's not guaranteed yet, but we're going to have a pop tart. So super excited for that. You know, we just unveiled it last week and, um, by the time this comes out, we'll have uh, released it. Um, I believe, you know, we're activating in LA doing a whole pop-up experience, doing some on-site customization of like merch um, backpacks for back to school, that type of thing. Um, but then we'll also be giving away the boxes and then releasing them online the next day. So super excited about that one. I think, you know, you see so many collaborations, like the bears collaboration we did with lyrical lemonade, like that makes sense, but it's predictable kind of, you know, this pop tarts one was like something I guarantee nobody saw coming. So like, that's really really cool to us yeah and it's i mean this is going to come out august 16th and currently there's no public release date um i think will they be out by then yeah we actually announced it in two days um so the public release will be the 14th and our event will be the 13th in la and then it'll release on dot com on the 14th so by the time you guys listen to this Hopefully you have an order in and the pop tarts are on their way to you. Yeah, so you can't like you. So these are you're not gonna be able to like go to the grocery store like with the Reese's Puff stuff that they've done with wrappers and like get these in the store. Like you have to go online and get them. Yeah, it'll be exclusive to this pop up in LA and then limited quantities on our Lyrical Lemonade website. Wow. Um, so a little different. Kellogg's just hasn't done anything like this yet. So. You know, again, like we talked about before, the Jordan shoe collab would have been cool if it was a retro, but it wasn't. It gives us room to grow. So here we have a limited edition food item. Like next up is like, give us that McDonald's meal. You know, that's what I'm coming after next. Like something kids can go and get all over the world and be able to like have that tie to the brand. Like a Lenny Happy Meal or something like that exactly you feel me yeah no that's super cool um and i think you were kind of hinting at like cole's reaction so you texted him over the phone and he was just kind of baffled yeah i mean that's how we kind of always work right i'm just like do you like this is this weird like (laughs) um but you know i think that's the special magic and why we work so well together is like I've been told no multiple times by by him on other stuff that, like, just didn't seem right, right? And he doesn't do it for the money. So, like, brands have thrown money at things that just didn't feel right that we've had to pass on. And um, so I kind of know when he's going to say yes and no. So there's a lot of stuff that he's going to say no to or not get excited about. I just dub before even presenting it to him. Or, like, I might bring up and be like, yo, so-and-so had asked me x y and z but i said no that was cool right yeah so like these other things are are kind of cool to just kind of hit him with out of nowhere like i know you're gonna love this so that's super cool um and you're also like involved with like the summer smash festivals um like partnerships and sponsorships and stuff and like how is that different than like comparison to working with like a pop like kellogg and Jordan brand and uh, the NFL for like collaborations and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't go through the same uh, property. So it goes through the summer smash. So our Instagram and everything is different. Um, It's, 
it's very event-based in that weekend only, where these other partnerships such as Pop-Tarts, et cetera, they're stuff that lives forever. Um, like if we post about it, it stays on our page forever. Um, and it's stuff that's more robust and involved and like merch is involved or like a commercial maybe, like we did a, a commercial for the launch of the Jordan shoe. Like it's very much more revolved around the Lyrical Lemonade brand as a, a property and the Summer Smash stuff is more so like we need X amount of dollars to, and then for those dollars that gives you brand awareness around this event and you can act, activate at this event, but like it doesn't tie you to the Lyrical Lemonade brand direct. So like it just ties you to Summer Smash. I know that like is like people are probably like that's the same thing, but it's not like the Summer Smash is a event right it happens one time a year so you're only tied to that event yeah you're tied to lyrical and association um but it just is a little different and brands look at it differently too right mm -hmm. like it's a single moment in time and although like the lyrical lemonade jordan brand club was a single moment in time when we did that event that shoe lives forever the stuff that we do at summer smash doesn't really live forever it's you were there that weekend you experienced or you're you did it yeah and that's super cool that's like a good way to put it um i think for other people and like something that definitely lived forever and you were talking about it earlier as is it was just kind of like chunk change was like the nfl collab you said it was predictable why would you say it was predictable um i mean so so we've done three nfl collabs we've done the with the bears we've done the season announcement for uh or the like schedule announcement for 2019 2020 season and then we did the merch collab and then for the nfl we did nfl direct we did their season kickoff video um i don't think that was predictable but like the bears collab a little more predictable right you see right, yeah. joe fresh goods has done a collab with the bears it never went to retail but like brand like uh sports teams are always collaborating with artists and and brands to do one-off collections that like it was very special and like we loved it and like we killed that shit but like it it doesn't have as much of a holy shit i would have never imagined this you know like cole is a diehard bears fan like of course that made sense and of course that can happen like those properties are always doing collabs like that where pop tarts kellogg's has never collabed with anybody ever yeah. let alone a brand out of chicago that is tied to that makes music videos and merch like it's a music blog like usually those collaborations would be a visual artist or someone like that, that just like decorates the box. I mean, you know, like it was just very unpredictable. What's some advice you would give to people that may be listening who may want to like do stuff that you're doing and like want to enter the work field that you're in now? Don't do it unless you're truly passionate about it um and pursue things that like 
excite you that make that uh make you want to jump out of bed in the morning because it will not be easy what i do is not easy i like <laughs> i got a great support system but like um, there'll be times I go to them and I'm like crying. Like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like, this is very stressful. It's not easy to do. None of it is. So you need to love it and like really, really be passionate about it because that's how you can get people to believe in what you're doing and for you to remind yourself you can't stop until you see it through. Yeah. And I think just kind of for anybody who's in, the entertainment space, no matter kind of what the roles are, back of house, front of house, like the support system thing is like really important. Like there was something that I kind of figured out right away because I was like grateful enough to have <laughs> people around me doing it before I was doing it, you know, and um, talk about a little bit having your support team and, and how that helps you kind of like get through like the hardship that you got to deal with on like a weekly to monthly basis. Yeah, I think like, I really believe in the fact that who you surround yourself is like a result of how far you will go in life. And so I try to surround myself with a few different groups of people, some that, you know, emotionally get me and like can support me and push me to be a better human. Another group that like pushes me to like, that's always doing dope and amazing stuff that pushes me to like, reach and achieve more and, and know that anything is possible. Um, the, yeah, you've got to have different pockets of people and like people may think it's corny to say like, or don't, or let it go over their head of not being the, being the smartest person in the room is not a good thing. Like emotionally and, in, and uh, like mentally, uh, I think, you know, those are two different things. So like, my couple of my support systems on the emotional side like they are licensed therapists and I don't dump on them but like I value their take when I'm like hot-headed about something or how I should approach something and then like on the flip side from like an intellectual standpoint I lean on that through to how do I negotiate this deal what should I be asking for um if you're surrounding yourself with people that like don't push you or you feel comfortable just like and I mean comfortable in a in a way of like relaxed and like I've made it not like comfortable in the fact that I trust them because you should always trust who you surround yourself with um but like if you're around people that like you're like I make this group run I'm the coolest like I'm the smartest and like these people make me look better, you know, like make me feel like I'm top of the world. Like you're in the wrong crew. You need people that are going to push you and motivate you and like take you to the next level and teach you stuff that you never thought you needed to know. Yeah, that's, that's facts. That's absolutely facts. And, and then like to go back and like give more advice, like how do you get there? Like, I know some people are like, cool. I got to be passionate about it, but like, Tara, how do I actually get there? Like, there's no rule of how you get to doing things like I do. Like, if you're passionate about something, believe me, you will find a way and like, you will see who is doing something like that. Can I ask them like how they got there? Can I study them from afar? Like everybody puts all the, not everything on social, but like 
you can study people from afar, the moves that they make and like how they're getting from point A to point B um, to kind of like guide you and like give you some like direction, but there's no one right way to, to get to do what I do. Like there's many ways. Like I was just talking to a new coworker and she used to be in finance and now she does influencer stuff and she jumped straight from finance to influencers. So like, there's no one way to uh, get to that. I say just like my number one advice is just always pursue your passion and make sure like you're really pursuing something that you love. Yeah, that is facts. <laughs> that is absolutely facts. Um, I want to transition into like, you know, what you do when you have free time. Um, you're obviously a pretty busy person, um, <laughs> but you know, you got to have some type of downtime and just some overall rest uh, in your life. And I'm sure I know you, I know you definitely do like collect sneakers. Uh, your sneaker collection is fucking sick. Um, I can't even cap, like probably one of the dopest collections <laughs> that like I know of people, uh, of just like people in my world, like you definitely have one of the top uh, collections I've seen. Thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm a workaholic. I won't lie, but like I work in the space of what I love, so it's okay. And so I think there's lots of crossover. I, I don't collect sneakers anymore, but um, I'm actually like trying to not buy shoes for a while. Um, I've made it a few months. I, I hit on sneakers the other day, but I'm, I'm giving them to a friend for retail. But I try not to buy shoes as much anymore but um what I do for fun you know I love live music love going to concerts um I love learning more about the music industry um so I just started managing jams he's a hip-hop artist out of Chicago and that's been really fun so that's some of what I do in my free time is uh help him build what he has going on um he's about to go on tour so like that fulfills my love for going to live shows um i also am really big into art so i have a great like cause collection i have my i have a um, original hebrew brantley print so like going to art um installations and galleries is really big for me and like it sparks a lot of ideas when it goes comes to work and then travel is huge for me so i I love traveling internationally um, and I'm at solo travel. If anyone has never traveled solo, I urge you to do it. You learn so much about yourself and like back to what truly makes you happy. Like if you want McDonald's when you're in Europe, you can get McDonald's. Don't do it. But like, you know, you can make those decisions and, and do what you want to do. Um, and so travel is really big for me. One day I want to, um, live part-time in Italy so trying to find ways to uh go out and explore is always something um that I try to do in my free time how many uh not to (laughs) I want to bring up all that stuff too but how many pairs of shoes would you say you have in your collection I have just over 300 and I know that because one of my clients um Lil Jew made the beat uh Meg the Stallions producer he was like no, I'm trying to get my sneaker collection up and I know it's better than yours. I, I got you, Tara. And he was like, count them. Um, so I counted them recently and it's just over 300. But trying to get it down even further, like 
perfect world, I'd get it down to 200 and never go above that. What are, what are like the oldest? Cause I, like, again, I'm a shoe head. Like I was supposed to go to the sports and like before that I loved Jordan, Nike, like grew up with that kind of similar to you. So, um, like I remember one day, like when I knew I was like, okay, yeah, this isn't just like, I worked at Jordan and liked it. Like you really, really, really like appreciated it. I saw you wearing like Cardinal six, uh, sevens from like 2006. Cause they had the gold, uh, atlets. And I used to yeah. have those, which you might be Fire. like, you're younger than me. Why do you have those? But yeah, uh, it was one of the first pairs of shoes my parents ever bought me. So it's like, I remember seeing you with those and was just like, holy shit. You know, you have like so many different pairs of shoes now. I mean, I saw you recently, you had the Rick Owens, you were going with a more fashionable, uh, shoe. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, 95% of my collections are Jordans. Like, I got a Jumpman tattoo the day I turned 18. So, like, I really, really love Jordans. Like I said, like, when I like something, I'm, like, super obsessive about it. So, my favorite shoe that I own, I can't wear it, but it's the Ginger 16. I've got two OG pairs. Um, of course, like, you know, an OG shoe, like, that's crumbling. Yeah, that's not where right? Yeah, I put it on and took a picture. Like, I stood up, took the pictures, sat back down, took them off. Like, I did not take a single step in them. Um, the first pair I did, and, like, they were crumbled in, like, five steps. Yeah. I've got a pair of, um, uh, what else do I have? I have some, I don't know, I got some wild stuff in in that collection um you have like PEs and samples and stuff uh I mean the craziest thing that I have is a Legend of Summer uh Retro 1 the Justin Timberlake friends and family the all red Jordan 1 you have those yeah they're they're suede shit um, suede and like snakeskin but that was a gift from a mentor of mine uh I had like made some pins for a family friend of his and uh so he was like yo that was really dope of you to remember that that kid wanted those seven months ago and you guys remade them and you like hand delivered them with a note to me like that was special so he gave me those shoes um so i've got a lot of random stuff but that's like a house (laughs) that's like a yeah that's a rent for a year pair of shoes right there that's crazy i would never have expected because aren't those like one of like five ten yeah, probably like maybe ten, fifteen. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. something, something limited. But that's something you know you never, never let go of because it's like a a gift, you know. Yeah, and you that, can. Yeah, so I've got some some stuff, but nothing too crazy. Like I said, when I, I'm when I moved to Chicago, I hadn't worked for five months, and like I wasn't saving my money. Like I overdrafted my account. And so the only, like I was selling shoes to be able to eat. Like I was so broke when I started, when I moved back to Chicago to start my business, I was like, didn't have an apartment. I was sleeping on a friend's couch and like going to, going to sleep for dinner. Cause I didn't have any money. So like the shoes are kind of there, you know, I'll sell one here and there just to like get by, um, during those times. But, um, some stuff you never let go. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think I, if I had those sitting in front of me, I would not let them go just because I remember like seeing those and like the nice kicks, like closet videos when I was growing up, just like 
jaw dropped like oh shit those are <laughs> that's just super cool um how many um like what were what are your favorite models like jordan wise and like you can if it's other brands or whatever like go ahead like you're just your top three like favorite shoe models uh 16 eight and i'd say the one the one has become my favorites over the years just because i travel a lot and like it's very versatile you can wear it you can dress it up you can dress it down um and like just the core colors that they come in like the shadow shadow ones i wear like all the time they go with everything um eights are one of my favorites because it was one of the first models i bought by myself and then the 16 is one of my favorites because i remember seeing it in the east bay catalog back in the day like what is that like that's so weird and then like when everyone started to you know get into shoes like that became my favorite because it was something that I knew no one would ever be wearing. You know, you go to go to the store, you run into somebody wearing AJ1s now. Um, so models like that are, like, very special to me because it, like, you know I know my shit if I'm wearing something like that. Yeah. No, that's that's just incredibly cool. Um, and, like, the, like, I ask that question to every guest. Um, so I've gotten a bunch of different answers. The most common is one, threes, and fours. So to get 16 eights and then ones, uh, <laughs> that's pretty cool. And I think that definitely is like a stamp of like, yeah, you know, you know your shit kind of more than I do. Um, and a lot of other people, uh, when it comes to Jordans and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, my, one of my main, uh, jobs at Jordan brand was the like history and heritage storytelling of the brand at retail. So like, I've sat down and had conversations with Tinker about like when he was designing a shoe on the road with Jordan during his championship runs and stuff like that. Like those stories like really make you appreciate those like other models. Like it's more than just like a shoe. Like it was a moment in time and like, that's why Jordans are always like going to be super special to me is because they hold much more weight than like a Yeezy does. Like there's really not a magical story behind Kanye and Adidas, like not like the rich heritage around Jordan brand. Mm -hmm. Michael. Yeah, no, I think with like, again, Kanye's just been able to build brands off his own influence. Not that it's a bad thing, but it's just like, that's what his, like lines have been based off of like that's the same thing with gap is like that's how he's about to sell all these clothes is because of donda and like his i think his music is like a part of how he can sell his stuff whereas jordan it's like no it's stories of stuff that's <laughs> that's happened like already like i don't know like really easy examples of shatter backwards and like look what that turned yeah. into now there's like a 5.0 or whatever the hell you know and um it's just it's crazy the the differences i guess and you collect art too. I know you have like a big cause collection. Um, yeah. And you do like, do you collect like paintings and stuff like that or like other sculptures? Uh, yes. I have a lot of the cause toys. I have the urge prints that just came out before the Brooklyn show. Um, I'm a big Hebrew fan. So I have a ton of Hebrew prints and, um, a couple of his vinyl toys. And then, like I said earlier, uh, during quarantine, I purchased a original from Hebrew, a 2014 untitled 
um it's fire uh but then like i'm always looking for up-and-coming creatives i manage an artist who's super dope out of seattle her name's tori um so love her work um and then one of my new favorite artists is actually from chicago um her name's kayla instagram kayla may art i believe um but she does some amazing work it, it kind of reminds me of hebrew in a little bit but it's a it's a little different but um she does some mixed media stuff that kind of reminds me of some of like hebrews 2014 to 2016 work mm. that's really wild and you were just saying too like you were having meetings with tinker like back oh, in with jordan and stuff yeah so my role was like i developed how like um the associates would talk about shoes i developed you know how the stores were staffed and then um train them on all of the stories behind the shoes so like i was reading all these autobiographies things like that and like meetings with tinker um but like the, the interesting part is like those meetings with tinker like that was after the brand like I, I, like, had a few exchanges at the brand, but, like, a lot of those brand stories and stuff would come from the PLMs, which are product line managers um, at the brand who would find those stories of, like, shattered backward, et cetera, and they would tell me, like, this colorway is based off of X, Y, and Z, and then I would put together those training kits and then send them off to retail associates, Ekins, to train everybody, so then you guys as consumers can learn about them. Um, but like the Tinker thing, like I spent a night in Atlanta going to a Drake concert and like dancing to Hotline Bling with Tinker and then like going to dinner and hearing all these stories about him and MJ in the finals and stuff like that. Yeah. Like he's the character. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, that's crazy. I didn't. I didn't. I never knew that you would have met him and stuff. I mean, it makes sense. Um, but that is super, super wild. And like, what was it like really working with him and like being able to like be around him like that? He's just a genius. He's one of those people that you just like you you might ask like two questions and then you just sit back and listen and then you just like get excited and he sees how passionate you are and he'll just keep telling you more and more stories like if you get that guy's attention like he will tell you stories for hours on end like it's insane um and i've met mj before too but that was like pretty brief and was like oh i love the work you do for the brand like do you want to go get a drink sure let's go get a drink yeah. <laughs> um but yeah tinker just like i don't know how to explain him he just he is very he remembers everything so vividly and i think that's why his product is so good because he like puts so many details into a product a shoe to be able to like tell a deeper story um that that's why his stuff is unmatched and like still relevant till this day because it's not based off of a fad like it's based off of like rich of like rich uh events and culture that like spurred the inspiration yeah that is super super crazy i mean for those who don't know who tinker hatfield is he is like a pillar of what we know now as like the jordan line 
And um, that is just a really, really crazy um, story. Um, Jordan and beyond, right? Like, he's the yeah. one who made the, uh, the Air, Air Max, visible Air Max. Like, yeah. uh, that guy's a legend. Yeah, he's done so many different things. I, like, isn't he... I mean, I don't follow Jordan stuff like that anymore like I used to. But I think, isn't he doing, like, the like new models like the more performance enhanced retros like isn't he a part of the design for those uh, i know he did some of the like like he came back and did the 20 and he's done some model like he did the 30 he's or with tate did the 30 so he's worked on some of those newer models i don't know if he's doing a new one now but like he did that hyper adapt with the automatic lacing he did the air mag he designed that years ago so um i think he designed zion like i i don't want to say the 35 because it's just it wouldn't make sense if they did the 20 and then waited 10 years to do the 30 so i think he did zion's first shoe that's like still hasn't come out yet he may have i wouldn't be surprised he's very much active and involved in like all of the really cool projects at the brand that's super cool um i don't have any other questions for you so can you tell people um if they don't already where they can like follow you on social media and stuff yeah you can follow me at koppelman rockham on instagram uh i'm not on tiktok or anything crazy like that um and then shout out to my brands uh that are the people that really fuck with me that i work tirelessly with to uh provide opportunities and resources to so while you're at following me make sure you follow my clients tori kirahara which she's at tori baby a zero instead of a O and two eyes and then follow jams the flavor child you can follow him at jams tfc um catch him for the new hottest tracks that he's working on so show me some love show my people love and um this has been real fun i appreciate you having me on yeah tara thank you for uh taking the time out of your busy schedule to join me for an interview and uh this was this episode of the culture captures spotlight podcast tune in again next week for another episode